Welcome to episode 187 of Cowboy Driver Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, as always, joined by Philip Slavin. Philip, before we get into our recap of the Iowa State game, I have a lovely little clip from our previous episode that I'd like to uh, just bring back into the universe real quick if you, if you think that's all right. Yes. Okay. Without further ado. This week, you're not going to like my score prediction. <laughs> um, because of the, the gap, due to the gap in, in schedules that they've played, I think Iowa State is a far more tested team up to this point. I trust their quarterback more than I think Oklahoma State fans trust Spencer Sanders, um, or at least trust his health maybe. Um, I would say the running games are at least on par with each other, um, even if Iowa State is averaging a little bit more yards per play in the running game. Um, the passing game is maybe not quite as up to the par as Oklahoma State. It's probably a wash on offense, to be honest. Um, and I think Iowa State's defense is more is more um, is more experienced and it's battle tested. I mean that thing that that defense has an absurd amount of snaps laid on that thing, and they've got a really good pass rush. For that reason, I think Oklahoma State. I think it's close in the first half for sure. But my final score prediction is thirty-seven seventeen Iowa State. That was from our good friend Levi Stevenson over at Wide Right Natty Light. Before the game today, he, as he said, picked Iowa State 37-17. to uh, Oklahoma State won this game 24-21, uh, to but uh, because we love to mess with our friends over uh, in Ames, Iowa, just felt like we needed to bring that one back. I love Levi. At, at the time of his prediction, it was kind of like, I just – I don't see a blowout coming in that direction, but hey, man, you know you're confident in your team. He is a bit of a homer. It happens. A bit. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the the let's just say it. October is canceled. It, it um, is absolutely done for the second straight season. Oklahoma State has come away from October with the W. Uh, and I think that's fair. And you can say, well, Iowa State is now one and two versus Oklahoma State in the month of October. Yes, as we all recall, uh, Brock Purdy's debut for Iowa State was starting the second drive of the uh, the 2018 game. And as Jim Knowles has said, he just beat the crap out of him. Um, you have to think that after that game, Jim Knowles and this defense, which a lot of players are still around from that game, have carried around a certain mission of like, that's not going to happen again. And for two straight seasons, it has not. And Oklahoma State has been victorious and is the only team to beat Brock Purdy in the month of October and to meet Matt Campbell in the month of October since 2017. Yeah, the, the, we, let's just start with the defense right away. I think there's more storylines and a little more to break down with the offense. But the defense was outside really of two big runs by Brees Hall who is otherworldly good. Um, you know, the hype surrounding him is legitimate. Mm-hmm. And the last possession of the game where Iowa State scored made it a little more interesting. And when Oklahoma State was really just in a prevent shell trying to just run the clock out with a drive that was extended by a Charlie Kolar catch, non-catch, whatever, the defense was spectacular. They really were they absolutely shut down Iowa State from about the second possession of the third quarter on. 
Brock Purdy couldn't get anything going. Underneath wasn't working. He had a hard time getting the ball to Kohler. And when Kohler did catch the ball or did have the ball within range, he was dropping it. They were able to get pressure on him, get Brock Purdy off schedule. They were able to shut down Brees Hall relative to what, you know, you can do to shut down a guy like that. Overall, they, I mean, you can't see enough good things about the defense. They are as good as advertised. It's not just inflated numbers against Kansas. It's not inflated numbers against a bad West Virginia offense. This is a very good, legitimate defense that is going to help Oklahoma State continue to win games this season. And I think they proved that to a national audience today. Let's hit a couple of things. First of all, let me just read you the drive chart for Iowa State in the second half. Interception, touchdown, punt, 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 punt. Touchdown that didn't matter. Outside of the two touchdown drives, one was 74 yards, one was 83. I would say it's yards per drive were 15, 27, 1, negative 5, 6, 2. 27, 1, negative 5, 6, 2. And then, of course, 83 on the touchdown drive that was given too many other chances by the refs because the refs were terrible all day on Saturday. Both sides, I'm going to be fair, they, they were bad for, they were bad for both teams. Times, but, God, they were awful. Um, the defense, you, you're not going to shout out Iowa State. You're not going to shout out Brock Purdy. You held them to 21 points. Seven of those came after an interception by Spencer Sanders in the first quarter or early in the game. It was the first quarter or second quarter? It was, it was early. Quarter. No, it was the second possession of the game. Yeah, second possession. So first quarter. Yeah. So, like, you look at this defense and go, outside of two huge plays, and one of those Brees Hall's plays led to a missed field goal. So it didn't even have an impact on the game besides yardage. So, I mean, from, from that standpoint, the defense played stellar. Now, as for Brees Hall, I, I tweeted this out, and I think it's a fair comparison. This reminded me of multiple Chuba Hubbard performances last season, especially that one against TCU that my good friend Parker Fleming of Stats of War and, and Frogs of War likes to bring up. Um, it was very much a he had two giant plays, one for 70 yards, one for 66 uh, his other 18 carries were for 51 yards. So uh, outside of two huge plays, he averaged 3.5 yards per carry and had 51 yards on 18 carries. Um, the Oklahoma State defense stood up and uh, and really held him in check. And look, I, I, Brees Hall is one of the best running backs in the Big 12. There's a, there's a, there's a few handful. Chuba is one of them, but they did a damn good job against this team. Um, the thing that, that Levi, the Levi point when he's trying to make these picks that, that made me just confused is like, your wide receivers aren't that good. No. Like, yes, we understand you have all the tight ends. Yeah. And, and Xavier was, Hutchinson is, is good, but they shut Xavier Hutchinson down for the most part. Like, they really kept him in check and the tight ends in check for the most part. Like, it was really an impressive performance by the secondary. Absolutely. The defense as a whole, but the secondary was so good and continues to be so good they, they really did a great job of containing charlie kohler he made one ridiculous play well the the one ridiculous catch was a clear push off on uh god who was it was on amen or it was on a linebacker somebody either way he completely shoved the dude out of the way should have been opi and he made the catch whatever but for the most part they were able to contain him and when they were able to find atkinson it was underneath stuff that the the flowing linebackers were able to get to there really didn't allow a 
huge play at all when it comes to uh, deep balls down the field. And for a defense to be able to, to do that, especially in the Big 12, when Brock Purdy has the ability to make some of these plays and they weren't, they weren't able to do it. Uh, I was incredibly impressed by the secondary today. Uh, Rodarius Williams showed, a, you know, a couple of plays were made on him for like the first time all season. He actually got tested on the outside. Uh, but Colby Harvell Peel and Trey Sterling are proving to be probably the best safety duo in the conference. And if not one of the best in the country, they were fantastic today against the run and the pass. Colby Harvell Peel made that fantastic play on, I think it was a third and one to stop Brees Hall on first contact, which is really tough to do. His uh, Brees Hall's ability to break that first tackle is one of the, well, he's one of the best in the conference at that. And then Sterling, uh, the play that sticks out of my mind is the, it was a play on Kolar where he jumped the route and knocked the ball away on the third and 15 to force another oh. Iowa State punt. That was one of the best defensive plays I've seen from that team or from any player on that, the team all season. That was their second to last drive. It was the one before the touchdown drive. And it was beautiful. Like he, it was a perfect defensive play. Absolutely perfect. Like the, the, you can't. I think we can start saying, you, for those who want to be like, well, they haven't played anybody. That was fair. It's a fair argument. Um, and I, I talked about the fact that, you know, on my last pod, if you go back to last year and carry that over because so much is, is left over roster-wise, this is good defense. We've heard the argument against Oklahoma State being they hadn't played anybody. We played Iowa State, and everybody's really high in Iowa State. Their offense is good. It's not the best offense in the country in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I think sometimes the Brock Purdy stuff – Brock Purdy is good, but I think sometimes the Brock Purdy stuff is a little overstated. Um, but I think the defense is – don't come after this game and, be, and hear people going, well, but they still haven't played. Nope, nope. This was a game uh, I think a fair – at least probably around half of the people were picking Iowa State to win this of all the podcasts and things that I was listening to. Oklahoma State, and you can say it's a three-point win. This didn't feel like a three-point win. This was a game where Iowa State got a score late that made the game closer score-wise. Than it exactly. felt because, and you and I texted about this. There was a point in the second half where it was 21-14, and I just said, if Oklahoma State can get up a second touchdown, this game feels over. This is a game that I, I don't know how Big Ten and SEC fans have watched this kind of stuff for the past yeah. like decade plus. I don't understand it because it's not fun. Um, but this is a game where you just, if you went up two scores, it was over. I mean, that's, that's what happened. Even with the field goal, you're up two scores. The game was over the way the defense is playing. So, look, I, full credit to him. Uh, here's a fun stat. Max Olsen tweeted this out. The Cowboy, the Cowboy football defense is legit. Gave up two big runs to Brees Hall, as we mentioned, uh, the 70-yarder and the 66-yarder. Gave up 3.9 yards per play the rest of the game. Forget the fact that you, you held Brees Hall in check the rest of the time. 3.9 yards per play other than two giant plays. Yeah, so if so, just looking Brock, and this should tell us a little bit of story about Brock Purdy too, just be, taking everything he could underneath. He was 19 to 34 for 162 yards, only average, average less than five yards per attempt. It was, it was 4.8 per uh, reception or whatever, but less than five yards of completion on the Oklahoma State defense. I mean, that's a huge credit mm-hmm. to, to them. And really, I mean, if you look, Charlie, Charlie Kohler is his number one target. No, no doubt about that. You could tell oh, that everyone Purdy, knows. Everyone and, you, knows. and you could tell that Purdy was uncomfortable trying to throw to anyone else. Xavier Hutchinson had, uh, not Atkinson, Hutchinson had a hundred, mm-hmm. uh, had eight, uh, eight catches. But a lot of those, it was just underneath checkdowns because Purdy, or because Kohler was taken away. And two of those catches to Kohler 
shouldn't have probably happened if we're being totally honest because it shouldn't that he did not have control of the ball on the side and it should have been op and it should have been opi on the other one so he should really have three catches for what maybe 15 16 yards sure something like that either way uh they were able to take away brock purdy and when they and i was really got away from the run game when they were down by two scores because they knew how desperate they needed to be to score they started trying to throw the ball in Oklahoma State, started bringing the pressure. Credit to Jim Knowles for being able to – for dialing up some perfect blitzes and opportunities for Trace Ford, McAlvin Bundage, Malcolm Rodriguez to get free and get some pressure in Purdy's face. I talked about that before the game. Being able to get Purdy off, off schedule and uh, out of structure, and they were able to do that multiple times in this game, and that, that made a lot of the difference. You know, I think there's something – when – when Jim Knowles got Stillwater, one of the things we talked about with that defense was it was kind of like you're going to give up some big plays here and there. But the idea is to get – is give up a play, get the ball back to your offense, it's fine, and force three and outs, right? I know they changed the defensive scheme last year after the Baylor game ahead of the Iowa State game. But I think this year is the perfect example of you're going to give up big plays. Tulsa's touchdown came on a big play. West, West Virginia's touchdown came on a big play. Kansas didn't have a big play. Kansas sucks. Iowa State had two big plays. One cost you seven points. One didn't cost you anything. This defense is going to give up some big plays. It's going to happen. The The big touchdown by Brees Hall was, if you watched it, Burke Purdy read the defense perfectly. The defense, the the plan on defense was was flawed, and Iowa State took advantage. It was, it was a bad call. It was a bad defensive call. It wasn't a player's fault. It was a bad defensive call. Brock Purdy read it perfectly. Brees Hall winning for the touchdown. These are, they're going to happen. But that's the thing about this team. Like, okay, you've given up four big plays in four games total. The defense the rest of the time is going to be good. So it's frustrating to watch Brees Hall run some 66-yard touchdown or get a 70-yard carry. By the way, the fact that they chased him down on that first one to prevent a touchdown and eventually lead to a missed field goal, I, I, don't, I, I don't think we're going to give that tackle enough of a credit because it led to a 70-yard run it was a seven yard run that led to zero points. It meant at the end of the game, it meant nothing other than yards to put up, to boost his stats. They chased him down. They got the tackle, prevented the touchdown and it led to zero points. That to me, looking back, you look at moments in the game, they're big. There's great plays. The trace, trace Sterling play was big. There's a lot of big plays on defense. There were um, trace Ford batting down multiple passes of rock Purdy. He, at some point, He's going to do that, but he's going to grab the ball and run into the end zone with it. I just, by the time, and I don't mean this season, but I mean by the end of his career, Trace Ford is going to bat a pass, catch it, and run it in. It's going to happen. I want to go, I'm going to talk about Trace Ford for a second. I think the play of the game that that we have to, really to me is chasing down Brees Hall on that big run, preventing the touchdown, it leading to zero points. I think that is absolutely the defensive play of the game looking back over the whole game and the impact the plays had, that play was huge. It's why you never give up on the play. And it was the, I believe, I, I want to go back and watch the game at some point, but I believe it was the backside corner coming all the way across the field to make that tackle. I, I need to go back and watch the play, but I believe if I remember right, that's what it was. I can't remember who it was. And also I'd have to go back and watch to, to be sure to get full credit, but I, I think that's what it was. But I, I do want to talk about Trace Ford for a second because you and I, you've been incredibly high on him since last season, before the season oh. even started. 
And this is another one. This is one of those things where the box score can lie to you a little bit. Do you know off the top of your head how many tackles he had in this game? Mm, not a lot. He had two. Mm. He had two there tackles, both solo. One mm-hmm. of those was for a sack, which, you know, tackle for a loss, and then two pass breakups. Mm-hmm. Didn't it feel like he was in on damn near every play in the backfield or at least forcing something? It felt oh, like if, yeah. if nothing else – even if you didn't make the play, he impacted the play more often than not. He uh, had half of OSU's passes defended. Yep. <laughs> and the, the, um, that, yeah. the little like dip move that he did around the right tackle the, you know, for the easy sack just made it look so effortless. Uh, you know, he's going to get bullied by some bigger tackles and bigger, you know, stronger tackles uh, at times just because he has a little bit of an undersized edge. But his athleticism and his agility – Uh, it's going to lead to him getting to the ball or at least impacting the play more often than not. I tweeted it after, I think it was one of the second, it might've been the second pass breakup, but I firmly believe that before he leaves, which will probably be next year, that he's going to be the big 12 defensive player of the year. He is that good. Uh, Whenever his time, by the time his, his career in Stillwater is over, he will have a big 12 defensive player of the year. He is that talented and plays with enough intensity and gets the stats enough to back that up. Yeah. No, look, I, there's when, – when you are on Twitter and seeing people who don't cover Oklahoma State or Iowa State, like Keegan now going, Trace Ford is going to be a problem. Like, Trace Ford is a problem for teams. Like, you well, have to account for him. Even well, if he doesn't the- produce in the stat line, you watch him. He impacts – every play with the way he plays. So he may not always get home, but not getting home every time doesn't mean that you aren't having a massive impact on how the game is played. And he has a massive impact at all times. Well, and if you look at the, the little mini preview that they did on college game day this morning, Desmond Howard talked about they are, the defense mm-hmm. is led by Trace Ford, not Malcolm Rodriguez, not Amen Agbongamiga, not Trace Sterling, not Colby Harbaugh Peel, and who are all uber talented in their own right. Trace Ford was the dude that got brought up as a sophomore on a senior-laden defense. I think that says a lot about what not just the local media that may or may not cover Oklahoma State, but the national media is starting to recognize how talented this guy is and the impact that he's having on the Oklahoma State defense as a sophomore. Did it feel like there was a penalty on every kick? <sighs> there was. There 100% was. Every every kickoff, every punt, every extra point, every – like – Okay, that was not now, a. Can we can we just be honest? Can we be honest? As I know, we won. It was an ugly game. It was a disgusting game. game. It was a disgusting. That is a game. Big Ten SEC game from five years ago. It was not a. Plus, I don't know how people watch that and enjoy it. Like I don't know how. To, like we had one Big Twelve game today. It was between West Virginia and Texas Tech. That was not a Big Twelve game. Twenty four twenty one, where you're just sweating and out watching the defense stop everything. I'm not comfortable enough. Like. Not like just sitting here back being like, no, we're fine. The defense has got this. Like I'm just sitting there like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. Like ah, uh, oh. like it's no. way, it's crazy, man. I, I I would can can I get a can can we win a shootout at some point? I think I would be more comfortable with a 41 <laughs> to 38 win at some point this season. Like it just, I'd be like, okay, this is I'm I'm used to this. This I'm familiar with. This I'm okay. I can do this. Like that's not a shot at the defense, but like, oh my no, God. you're absolutely right. It's uh, so it's so weird being on the other side of it now, and when your defense is winning you games, like we're we're just not used to. Oklahoma State's had some good defenses here and there, not like but this. the off, 
But yeah, not like this. The the offense has always been the calling card for Oklahoma State football. Where right now the defense is taking taking its you know they're they're doing the damn thing is, is what they're doing. But I want to talk about special teams for a second. You brought it up briefly how ugly it was, but special teams won Oklahoma State this game, namely Tom Hutton. I know people wanted oh. to shit on him all of last season because they were like, oh, this dude sucks. He's awful. Not it's it's because us. you don't know a damn thing about punting. That's why you don't want to talk. That's why you just want to shit on him for no reason. And also, you know he was going to come and have a good game today because his team, the Richmond Tigers, won the AFL Grand Final this morning. So you knew that he, he was amped up a little bit. But the play of the game, and Gundy talked about it in the postgame, the, the play of the game was him pinning a ball inside the five-yard line and Brendan Presley, who was a gunner, going down and essentially making the catch and downing that ball inside the five-yard line, eventually leading to an Iowa State three and out, which turned the tide in the game. It, it just continued that stretch where the defense was doing well enough to keep them, you know, keep Oklahoma State in the game. But being able to pin Iowa State back that far, Oklahoma State was able to pin their ears back on the defensive line, bring a little bit of pressure, and force Iowa State to throw the ball. That was the play of the game right there. Now, an Alex Hale missed field goal. Oh, my God, he's human. He actually missed one. But Ooh. and but on on the other side, I mean, at Connor Asali missed two field goals today. That's the difference in the ball game, right mm-hmm. there. It's weird, that including the always twang. You're just like, oh, the the twang of defeat. It is now, such a terrible sound okay. to hear. Did you see the quadruple doink in the Rice game? The no, Rice Middle Tennessee State game. I did see the like. 78-yard punt in the Texas Tech game that was basically end zone to end zone, which was utterly ridiculous. Yeah, it was It was like, I think it was 67-yard net or something like that. But yeah, in the Rice-Middle Tennessee State game, it was an overtime. And Rice, horrible clock management. Oh my God, I'm so used to seeing that. Um, took three kneel downs and then punt and then kicked a 54-yard field goal that bounced off the upright four times before missing. To kick a 54-yard, you took kneel downs to kick a that's what I. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. Not not great. Well, and we they think, don't wonder that and, they deserve to lose that game. You know, and we and we get pissed when Mike Gundy decides to just pack it in at the end of a half. I can't imagine how infuriating that would be. Eesh. Do you have any more thoughts Eesh. on defense, special teams, anything like that? Mm, Tom Hutton is awesome. Um, Tom Hutton is awesome. Alex Hale is a true freshman. Is that right? He I just think he's a redshirt red shirt freshman or sophomore. sophomore. Either he's way. Sophomore. He's a sophomore. Yeah. Point is, he's young. Yeah. Our Aussies are, uh, are still pretty good. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the offense. We have a lot to unpack there. On the other side of this break, we will be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Philip. Um, we got. I think we got. We got some storylines to talk about on the offensive side of the ball. Um, it was at times you could see the offense really click. 
I think the clear thing that I want to talk about first, I mean, let, let's just address the quarterback. Um, Spencer Sanders first game back since the second series of the Tulsa game. And you can see why and how the, the offense is different and better with Spencer Sanders in the game because of his threat and ability to run the ball. It opens things up for Chuba Hubbard. But, my God, the Spencer Sanders experience is what's going to cause me liver failure by the end of this season. I think at this point in the game, I think at this point, and I get it, he's, he started one full season. He started one game this season. Um, there are some stats that are unkind to Spencer Sanders. Um, in Big 12 games, he's got 10 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That ain't great. I think it's all passing, though. That's shout out to Cade McFarland for that one. Make sure he gets credit because that wasn't my stat. Um, Spencer Sanders does miraculous things. The throw on the run, and I forget at what point in the game it was, and I had no idea how it turned into anything. It was very Brock Purdy esque. It was a bad, it was an early snap by Tyrese Williams. It was right after Rice Schneider went out, and he made the throw across his body to, I believe it it was Logan Carter for a first down. On like a third and ten. It was very Brock. It's the same crap Brock Purdy gets away with. That's how they got the touchdown there after the play took forever um, to bring the game within three and then couldn't recover the onside kick. Like Brock Purdy makes crap like that. Um, Spencer Sanders does some amazing things unscripted that everyone can't make. Spencer Sanders' mobility is a problem for other teams, and when they use it, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second, um, it's a difficult thing to deal with. Now, he needs to run up field more instead of going to the sideline because he, yep. instead of, that leads to the problem I have with Spencer Sanders. And I think at this point, we're just going to have to accept that that's how he is. It's, it feels like he still wants to go for the home run even when it's not there. Yes. Um, that's the, the two interceptions were bad decisions by him. And those are and the, perfect examples of the that. run plays where he runs to the sideline instead of just turning and going upfield is you gained three yards going all the way to the sideline because you were hoping to get a huge beat somebody and make a huge play as opposed to just turning upfield when the opportunity was there and gaining eight yards. Mm-hmm. Take the eight yards. He still struggles with take what they give you and then play the next down. Sometimes he wants to go for the home run. And maybe this isn't true, but man, that's sure how it feels. Like he wants to hit the home run. He wants the 40 yard play. Big, he wants that big play, the big yeah play. When, dude, take eight yards. Take eight. Because you know what eight is? Eight is the means the next down is a whole hell of a lot easier. Just take it, take what is given to you more often. He's doing a better job. He is. And it's one game. I get it. We'll see how he continues to develop through the rest of the season. But that's still his deal. He's better about it, but that's still his deal. Um, it's like anything else. It's like any gunslinger. It's like, you know, Levi was talking about Brock Purdy or Brett Favre or whatever you want to use as comparison. Sometimes you kind of have to live with the errors and the mistakes um, and accept that those are part of the package, but the, the upside is greater than the downside as they continue to develop. And if that is what we see from Spencer, if he continues to develop to the point that the negatives still happen but are fewer and far between, then it's fine. 
and it's worth it and it's okay. Interceptions don't always kill you. They're frustrating, but they're not the worst thing in the world. They're, I think we overstate the negative side of them a little bit too often. Um, but he's just, he's got to learn. And that running thing is a big deal. He's got to learn, just do, just turn up field, get eight yards and be done with it and be happy and go on to the next play. It's, stop, stop wasting your energy, running to the sideline to gain three yards instead. So I, I came up with a comp when we were in the middle of this game because previous to the Oklahoma State game starting, I was watching the, uh, the Auburn game. Uh, and I realized Bo Nix and Spencer Sanders are really not that different. Now, because the way I look at it, here's the thing. I make fun of Bo Nix all the time because I have a bunch of Auburn friends. And so I just like making fun of them because – like Bo Nix, everyone, he was supposed to be the savior last year, and he's really ungood at football for the most part. But Spencer Sanders at this point is Bo Nix with a better arm. They both are ridiculously athletic, ridiculously talented, can make about any throw on the field, and have about a five-cent head half the time trying to make stupid plays or trying to make the big play rather than the right play. We saw that a couple times today where – we saw – I mean, you, you see just the flashes. We saw it last year, too, with Spencer before he got hurt. You know, we see the flashes of these ridiculous throws and these, you know, you know making defenders miss in the open field and all, all this stuff. And you see the talent. It's like, holy crap, this is why this dude is a starter. And then you see about the same, about the same amount of plays per game of just what are they doing, throwing the ball into ridiculous coverage, trying to make a play when it's not there fumbling the ball like crazy. They're the same player, but that that's just where we're at right now. No, do I want Spencer Sanders to be Bo Nix? No, because Bo Nix sucks. I want Spencer Sanders to be really talented, like to show what he really is. But right now, he that's who he is, at least in my unprofessional opinion. Now, I will say this to, to Spencer's credit, and I, and this tells me more about Spencer than anything else. He throws the interception on the second drive of the game, trying to do too much. Yep. But turns right around, five-play touchdown. And have the confidence to throw the ball over the middle of the field to Jelani Woods for a touchdown. Comes out after the interception from Brock Purdy, makes a couple of good throws down the field, kind of on a heater. You know, it was just like a it's like a point like a three-point shooter that, you know, just pulls up from 30 feet because they've made three or four threes in a row and they brick it. It was the same thing. He made a couple of really good throws and tried to try to fit a ball in the double coverage when it wasn't there and made and threw the pick. Iowa State scores. They need a big possession from four play touchdown. Made a, had a great had a big run, big throw to Tylen Wallace, and then got in on the for the rushing touchdown. That tells me more about the makeup of Spencer Sanders than anything else. Because he's not he's not phased by the turnover. He's frustrated, but he's gonna turn right around and make another play. He's got that mentality of just let's get to the next play, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that gives me hope for his development that he's going to continue to try and minimize those mistakes and make the right play. Yeah, there was a, it was a third down or something. It was an incomplete pass. Uh, he, I don't know. I think he was supposed to be going for Tylen. And oh, it was just the was overthrow. Was wrong. It was an overthrow. Massive. But he came off the field and you watched him. He's just like, it's fine. It's fine. Like he seems to bounce back from things pretty quick, which is big. And I'm happy to see it. Um, that's important. It is like, it's important to be able to bounce back from stuff quickly. So I think that's important. We're going to continue to watch him develop again. One game this season, he's played one game and one drive and one snap. 
You know, and, and that's why I'm not – like, I was watching a couple of those throws. I mean, obviously, when you're in the game or you're, you know, when you're watching the game live and there's mistakes like that, you know, you're pissed, obviously, as a fan. You know, it's ridiculous, you know. And for people like, you know, like us that cover the game, it's like, crap, I have to talk about this awful play. Blah, blah, blah. So, in-game, I'm usually not the most rational person. Give me two or three hours after the game, and I kind of come down to earth a little bit, which is why we're recording this late on a Saturday night and not immediately after the game. You know – Sanders, like I said, he played one drive and one play and then goes out, doesn't play for the, pre, for the next two games against West Virginia and Kansas, then has two weeks off in what should have been a, a fairly you know, warm-up game against Baylor, who's not very good. You know, you think you'd be able to kind of ease him in. Then he's got to go and play Iowa State, who has a pretty solid defense, right, out the, right off the rip in his first conference game. That's not a very good situation to come into, especially coming off back-to-back bye weeks. He was not necessarily put into a position to succeed coming back from injury. So that's why I'm not as upset now as I was in game. I think at the end of the day, if he can improve week to week, you got Texas next week. You know, he had a, you know, he, you know, that was his first game on national TV really against Texas last year. And he showed flashes of what he could be. And now you get this game at home on Halloween, you get another nationally televised game. And let's, let's see what he's got. It, it's going to be a big test for him to see if he can bounce back and minimize those turnovers and make more of those plays that, you know, shows us, you know, who he really is as a quarterback. Yeah. Can we also talk about Tylen Wallace just going and shoving the Iowa State corner? That Ooh. was my favorite play of the game. <laughs> <laughs> jaw, 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 jaw. And I uh, – Tylen doesn't – Tylen – Tyler wants all the smoke. He doesn't care. He, he will go. And that's the one thing, like, you, you can see all of the miraculous catches and, you know, the crazy stuff. Uh-huh. He has, has catch where he leaped about, I don't know, four three, feet in the air. 30 yeah. feet in the air? Is that awesome. fair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But his, like, he doesn't give a damn. He's going to go and ear hole somebody on a block on a run play, even if the play is not anywhere near him. And I love that. And, you know, Casey Dunn loves that, too. It's a big win. It's a huge win. Um, I, I don't think you can overstate how important this win was. It's the first of three huge games. Really, it's the first of four huge games in a row mm-hmm. um, to get this one. I think is, is big for momentum. I think a lot of things were stacked against Oklahoma State because of all the time off they had to have um, to get this. I know I picked Iowa State to win. I did. I, I, I have... I'm always happy to be wrong when I pick against Oklahoma State, okay? I'm happy to be like, I was wrong. I don't know how to put on my Iowa State shirt. I just leave my OSU shoes to your, your on. Yes, yeah, and shirt. I think, yeah, like I, you know, I'm, I'm a very cynical SOB on this what? podcast, on Twitter, everything else. What? But I, I hope that people understand that I want to be wrong when I say stupid shit about Oklahoma State. <laughs> like whenever I'm pissed off and I say how terrible we are, I don't want Oklahoma State to be terrible. But it's just yeah, how you I would like us moment. to just make Homer picks every week. Exactly. I mean, exactly. it's not, it's not very good. Um, so I, I, I do want to make one more point about the, uh, about the offense. I thought the offensive line played really well today. They didn't mm-hmm. give up a sack. Uh, you know, Iowa State's defense is pretty good. Their pass rushes no, are. Very, they have, and they have a good defensive line. Yes. And uh, so I think this kind of gives a little bit of credit. A ton of credit obviously goes to Charlie Dickey for finding the right mix after all the, the shuffling they had to do the first couple of weeks. I think they found, found a set that works and now they're starting to play even better. That was the one thing I think I mentioned on the last podcast that 
even though Oklahoma State didn't play the last two weeks, and as much as that sucks, it at least gave the offense a little bit of time and a little bit of continuity to get continue to get that offensive line better together. And that obviously paid paid off a little bit this week. And they're going to continue to get better too. It, this, you know, as things roll on, if they can stay healthy, you know, Rice Schneider went down for a little bit. He came back in the game. Uh, injury did not as serious as uh, initially thought. So they're, they're going to, they played really well against a good defense. Uh, I think the, the narrative that Oklahoma State's offensive line is garbage is at least put to rest for a bit. Uh, we'll see what we got against Texas next week. Uh, a couple other things we got to shout out here. Congrats to the Cowgirls um, soccer team beating Texas 2-0 on Friday night. Um, they're, look, they're pretty much out of the running for the Big 12 title. West Virginia 6-1, TCU's 5-0-1. Um, OSU's got two matches left. They play Texas Tech this coming week, and then they basically have two weeks off before uh, the rescheduled Bedlam match. They need a lot of things to, to happen. They'd have to win out, go 6-2-1, and one, and hope – other teams, but um, congrats to them on the win. We got two very winnable matches left. With Texas Tech at home at Oklahoma, Texas Tech's one three and two. OU's oh four and one. OU's bad. So um, that's big this Friday coming up. Uh, also, the the Cowboy golf team uh, finished uh, their fall schedule uh, with a a win at the Merido Collegiate Invitational. Uh, they got the win there. Austin Eckrout finished runner up. Uh, individually so congrats to the men's golf team and congrats to the cowgirls uh some big stuff i know that the uh, softball team's been doing some scrimmaging um oh yeah we also have to talk about uh we got a little hoop scheduling news we didn't get to on our previous episode because we had way too much to talk about and levi uh, wouldn't stop talking can i just say and i know i saw the people like irritated that we're playing arkansas on the SEC challenge again yes this will be the third time we play arkansas we played south carolina three times we've lost played AM and Auburn I get it um it's it it seems repetitive and it would be fun because of the challenge to play a Florida or a team like that I'm of the opinion that Oklahoma State and Arkansas should be playing on a regular basis in men's basketball anyways like it doesn't have to be every year that's fine but if you told me they had two home and homes a decade they played 30 times the two teams have played 30 times that's it that's too few for two schools separated by three and a half hour drive, like just, or two and a half, I think it's three and a half. I forget. Point of the matter is this. It's a good game at home. I love it. Um, as someone who lives in Arkansas, has read relatives who are diehard Arkansas fans, like it's fun. Like give me OSU in Arkansas on a regular basis. There's no reason these two teams shouldn't be playing home and homes on the reg. They just should. It makes a lot of sense. And, and, and after, if the coronavirus has taught us nothing, if you want to save money, schedule closer to home. Schedule yeah. things that make sense and are easy. There's no reason to be scheduled. Like, I get it. It's fun to play Virginia Tech. It's fun to play Gonzaga. I'm fine with that stuff. I'm fine if you want to have one of those every year. You're going to be playing a Big East team every year at home or away. That's great. Um, but the rest of the schedule, just put Arkansas on there. Wichita State's great. Creighton. Pick teams that are nearby – that you can have rivalries with. Because here's the thing with Arkansas. It's really easy for Oklahoma State fans to go to Fayetteville and watch the game. It's really easy for Arkansas fans to come to Stillwater and watch the game. That's a full arena. That's a loud loud crowd. That's a fun time. So I am pumped for Arkansas coming. Um, That is a game I have now circled as the, I'm going to get to one basketball game this year because, God, by God, I'm going to watch Cade Cunningham live at least one friggin' time. That game is circled on my calendar as a, ooh, January 30th. 
I think I can probably swing that one. And if I can, I'm gonna. Yeah. And like I said, there's enough good basketball in the Midwest around, you know, at least within three or four states that you can get scheduled some really good non-conference games here. And Arkansas is one of them. And I think it's really yeah. cool if they're going to play this year because of the impact that Eddie Sutton had on that program and on Oklahoma State. Oh. They're going to be able to honor him together. That's going to be really cool. I hope – I've seen people talk about doing like a – like Arkansas wears Eddie-era throwbacks and Oklahoma State wears 90s Eddie-era throwbacks. Please. Give me that. But I think that that would be a great time for the, think the two programs to come together and really honor the guy that really helped vault their programs uh, during the time that he was there. So that, that is a cool little subplot to Arkansas-Oklahoma State, which is going to be a really good game. I can't imagine they don't. The way Oklahoma State taught, you know, and, and, and Boynton as well have really, you know, the relationship that we have with the family now, I can't imagine OSU doesn't set something up as a honor to Eddie with both those teams that he coached and led to Final Fours and still water playing each other on, Jan- on, on January 30th. Um, I don't see how they don't. I would love if the teams worked to wear Eddie throwbacks for both squads. Like, that would be the coolest thing in a matchup that I think Arkansas is going to be pretty good this year. Like in, in a, what are they, a 12-team conference, 14 teams? 14. I think they finish in the they finish in the top half. What's it? They're going to finish in the top, top half. I think they finish in the top five in the SEC. I think they're pretty good. Um, I think Musselman's a good coach. He's recruiting well. I think that's a solid squad. That could very well be a ranked-on-ranked matchup in Stillwater for that Big 12 SEC challenge. I think it's one of the better SEC Big 12 challenge matchups. I know people don't. Like, it's Arkansas. I get it. We've played them twice before. I think it's a big deal. I think that's one of the ones that are going to be one of the marquee games that they circle on there, aside from the Baylor game and the Kansas game and the, you know, the West Virginia game. I think that's one of the better ones. I'm excited for it. And I, if they do an Eddie honor at all, like that's going to get televised and people are going to talk about it. I, I think it's a big thing. I love it. I'm excited for it. Because look, look, now our schedule has whoever they play in Lincoln. Um, and obviously we don't know who all is going to be in there. So there's no dates or teams set for that. But it is on November 25th. That's literally like a month away. We're recording this on October 24th. The 25th of November is the first game of the season, folks. I'm so excited. So we have those three games, a road game at Marquette, a game against Oakland, a home game that is TBD, a road game at Wichita State, and a home game against Arkansas. This is a nice schedule coming together. This really is. Like I'm Obviously, you know, if they get three crappy games in Lincoln and another – and a buy game in Stillwater, it'll be less so. I doubt that's what's going to happen. You don't have Kate Cunningham and, and scheduled garbage. I'm really intrigued for how this schedule finishes out, but I really like how it's come together so far. Yeah, and if nothing else, man, we're about a month away from watching Cade Cunningham in a real-life basketball oh, game man. for Oklahoma State, and I cannot mm-hmm. tell you how excited I am for just that fact, right? Uh, we're going to get one season of them. I, I want to maximize my enjoyment of watching number two play for Oklahoma State. So, um, to wrap up on football, uh, the Big 12 standings at, uh, at this point, Oklahoma State sits atop them. I mean, technically, them and Kansas State. Kansas State's uh, 4-0 in conference play, but 4-1 overall. Oklahoma State is 4-0 overall, 3-1 in conference play. Uh, everyone else has a loss, just like we drew it up. Iowa State with a loss. Uh, Oklahoma with two losses. <laughs> West Virginia with – I mean, Washington had two losses now. So we have Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Still on division. Oklahoma is not out of it. 
folks. They're not. They're not. You think Oklahoma's not going to get to Arlington, you're out of your mind. Um, Texas still with two losses. West Virginia's got two. I mean, look, Baylor's got two. Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas have three. Uh, let's just say it. There are five teams in contention. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Texas. I know Texas. I get it. OSU plays Texas this week. How fun would it be, forget the fact of winning, completely knock Texas out of Big 12 title running and and literally light Tom Herman's seat on fire? I don't think he's going to get fired. I don't think he should. It's going to cost too much, and it's a weird year. This is not a year you come and go, you suck. Like, yeah, well, it's hard to win this year. Rutgers beat Michigan State, okay? <laughs> what a time. <laughs> Indiana scored a two-point conversion to beat Penn State. Penn State, okay? Purdue came back and beat Iowa. Like, I don't want to talk about Big Ten. But the point is, Iowa State lost to Louisiana. Kansas State lost. It just, this is, let this year be. But it would be really fun to, after next week to be like, well, Texas is officially out of the running, and we're down to four teams, and we'll continue to see, see how that goes. Um, yeah. Just, just be prepared for Oklahoma State versus Iowa State or Oklahoma. Like, I'm not saying we're going to get there because we still have Texas road game at Kansas State, a road game at Oklahoma. There's too many games left on the schedule. Yeah. But this win was huge. I think next week is big with Texas because it could knock Texas out. It's obviously you don't want to start for a loss right now. Um, I think the road game at Kansas State in two weeks is a bigger game, obviously, because Kansas State gets uh, West – is it going to West Virginia, I think? I can't Kansas, Kansas State, they're – I have not – yeah. So Kansas State goes to West Virginia next week. I haven't decided how I feel about that game yet. I never feel good Kansas going to Manhattan. could be. I just I, – I never do. Five and on conference, but I know. But it's – Yeah. True freshman quarterback, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you 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 beat you barely beat TCU. They're not great. Congratulations on curb stomping Kansas. Everyone, everybody does that. Kansas. Like, <laughs> let me see how he looks against West Virginia's defense. We'll have a conversation about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Big game against Texas in Boone Pickens Stadium on Saturday, and we will have the preview for that for you later this week. I don't know who our guest is going to be. I'm sure Philip will get someone great lined up. We'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll figure that out in the next couple of days. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? You can follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke. Um, of course, that's me. You can follow my show, uh, the 1012 Podcast, T in the number 12, the word podcast, available anywhere podcasts uh, can be found. And we can also follow us on Twitter at 1012 Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at 1012 Pod. Uh, we will have our recap episode of the weekend up on Monday. I am very excited to talk about the fact that Baylor punted from the Texas 30 in the first quarter. Um, Dave Aranda needs to be fired for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, you were at the Texas 30. I don't care if it was four and 12. Huh? You were at the 30 yard line and you punted. What? Um, I think, I think anytime you punt in plus territory should be illegal for being totally honest with ourselves. It's the 30-yard line. Do you not have a field goal kicker? You don't even try the field goal. You punt the ball from their 30? Oh, Baylor. Mike Gundy's not that conservative. Don't tempt Mike Gundy with a good time. You follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF, and we will be back midweek. Preview the Texas game. We'll talk to you all then.